0: Good evening. President Biden promises U.S. no U.S. troops will go to Ukraine. Does Putin have a long game? Justice Stephen Breyer is to retire, giving Biden his first Supreme Court pick. And guns are on the table as the NYPD buries its own. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, January 26th, 2021. The Biden administration and NATO told Russia today there will be no U.S. or NATO concessions on Moscow's main demands to resolve the crisis over Ukraine. In separate written responses delivered to the Russians, the United States and NATO held firm to the alliance's open-door policy for membership, rejecting a demand to permanently ban Ukraine from joining, and said allied deployments of troops and military equipment in Eastern Europe are non-negotiable. The tense standoff continues between Russia and the West with 100,000 Russian troops near Ukraine's borders and the U.S. putting thousands of its own troops on heightened readiness. There's growing fear of a miscommunication setting off an accidental war. Today, President Joe Biden seemed to tamp down on the fears, promising whatever happens, he won't send U.S. troops
1: to fight Russians. There's been no change in the posture of the Russian forces. There have Uh, And now they're, as you know, they're along the entire Belarus border. And uh, I I made it clear to uh, early on to uh, President Putin that if he were to move into Ukraine, that there'd be severe consequences.
2: Would you ever see yourself personally sanctioning him if he did invade Ukraine?
1: Yes, you would. I would see that.
2: What would it take a, to trigger the deployment of the 8,500 troops that you've put on high alert? And what's your message to those, those forces that are on high alert?
1: There's no reason for anyone, any member of NATO, to worry whether or not we, would, we NATO, would come to their defense. And uh, I may be moving some of those troops in the nearer term just because it takes time. And, uh, and again, it's not, it's not provocative. It's just exactly what I said. We have no intention of putting American forces or NATO forces in Ukraine, but uh, we, I, I, as I said, there are going to be serious economic consequences if he moves. This would be the largest, if he were to move in with all those forces, it would be the largest invasion since World War II. It would change the world.
0: President Biden, despite the reassurance Secretary of State Antony Blinken today warned U.S. citizens in Ukraine to get out. A message now for any Americans in Ukraine is to strongly consider leaving using commercial or other privately available transportation options. These options remain readily available. And the embassy may extend loans to those who can't afford the cost of a commercial ticket. While the State Department will always seek to provide consular services wherever possible, Russian military action would severely impact our ability to perform that work. And if Russia invades civilians, including Americans still in Ukraine, could be caught in a conflict zone between combatant forces. The U.S. government may not be in a position to aid individuals in these circumstances. This has long been the case in conflict zones around the world. So while we don't know whether Russia will continue its aggression toward Ukraine, either way, we have a responsibility to provide this notice to Americans there secretary of state anthony blinken last week the british government in an unusual move released intelligence claiming russia intended to install its own puppet government in ukraine but the editor of covert action magazine jeremy kuzmarov said it was the united states that toppled the pro-russian government not a threat from russia
3: the u.s was behind the coup d'etat that brought into power um, uh, petro poroshenko uh, now zelensky to replace the pro-russian government and, you know, united hostilities in, in eastern Ukraine, and Russia has been supporting, you know, separatist forces in eastern Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> you know, whether the war might break out, I mean, it is a, a danger. The U.S. has sent, uh, you know, has readied troops, uh, to be deployed there. They've provided a lot of arms in the last few weeks, you know, special arms shipments on top of, uh, already pretty significant <laughs> military aid that they were providing uh the cia was uh, it was just uncovered has been training ukrainian special forces for years and ukrainians have been engaged in you know, provocations uh so, you know, there is a, a possibility of a war breaking out. Now I think certain European countries are hesitant and may clashing against it. It's possible we'd see the US back off a bit. Like the German, the head of the German Navy last week or this week, you know, uh, said Russia had certain legit, uh, legitimate security concerns and they're probably you know, there's talk of a uh, Russian invasion is overblown. And he was fired but I, I think or he was forced to resign, but I think There are a lot of people in Europe with that viewpoint uh, that the U.S. is kind of, uh, you know, provoking Russia. And uh, I think a lot of Europeans, you know, see benefit in aligning with Russia because the gas, you know, this Nord Stream pipeline and they want Russian gas, uh, you know, cheaper gas uh, than other countries could provide to them. And, you know, they may see benefits in, in having good relations with Russia and China. Uh so you know I think Europe could possibly uh try and block something you know the US may be somewhat isolated if they push for an aggressive confrontational policy so uh, there's a possibility that this might blow over
0: Do you think that uh the British were right when they said that Putin wants to put uh what they call a puppet government in place
3: There are a lot of allegations that were unfounded or, you know, that were based on unnamed sources and may have just been rumors or part of a propaganda campaign to build public support. I mean, that's basically what the U.S. did and EU in 2014. I mean, Ukraine had elections. You know, it it was an imperfect government, but it was popularly elected. And from my understanding, the protesters didn't have enough signatures for an impeachment and there was a coming election. But instead of waiting for the election, they basically forced the pro-Russian government Yanukovych to flee, and have imposed this current government in Ukraine, which has provoked hostilities in the east, and has threatened Russia, and has been infiltrated by far-right wing and neo-Nazi groups. So it's a, it's a very dangerous regime, and yeah, it's it's a form of like psychological projection. You know, they're saying Russia wants to do something that they actually did. And, yeah, I mean, sure, Russia would like a, a pro-Russian, uh, you know, uh, leadership in Ukraine, but how far they're willing to go, we don't know. You know, we haven't seen that they're willing to do what the U.S. and the EU have done, which is to back a major uprising and coup.
0: Jeremy Kuzma is the editor of Covert Action magazine and author of The Russians Are Coming. Again, shortly after Blinken spoke, NATO Secretary General Stan Jens Stoltenberg said in Brussels, the alliance had sent a separate reply to Russia with an offer to improve communications, examine ways to avoid military incidents or accidents and discuss arms control. But like Blinken, he rejected any attempt to halt NATO membership. And back in the U.S., longtime liberal Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring. Numerous sources said today And it's been all over the media giving President Joe Biden his first high court opening, which he has pledged to fill with the historic naming of the court's first black woman. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said today the president is standing behind his promise.
1: The president has stated and reiterated his commitment to nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court and certainly stands by that. For today, again, I'm just not going to be able to say anything about any specifics until of course Justice Breyer makes any announcement should he decide to make an announcement.
0: Breyer, 83, has been a pragmatic force on the court and has grown increasingly conservative. His retirement will give Biden the chance to name and win confirmation of a replacement before next fall's election when Republicans could retake the Senate and block future nominees. Democrats are planning a swift confirmation, perhaps even before Breyer officially steps down, which is expected before summer. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul Durienzo. The Coast Guard battled time and currents today as its planes and ships searched for 38 people missing off the coast of Florida four days after a suspected human smuggling boat capsized in a storm. The accident killed at least one person and left a single known survivor, said U.S. authorities and U.S. authorities have launched a criminal investigation. Crews searched around the clock, extrapolating from where the wreck was spotted about 40 miles off Fort Pierce. By this morning, crews on at least four ships and five aircraft scanned a vast area about the size of New Jersey. Homeland Security investigations opened the criminal probe. probe said anthony salesbury special agent in charge of the agency's miami office the effort includes u.s agents in the bahamas migrants from around the world have long used the bahamas as a stepping stone to reach florida and the united states that typically they typically try to take advantage of breaks in the weather to make the crossing but the vessels are often dangerously overloaded and prone to capsizing they have been uh, there have been thousands of deaths over the years. For the most part, these migrants are from Haiti and Cuba, but the Royal Bahamas Defense Force has reported apprehending migrants from other parts of the world, including from Colombia and Ecuador earlier this month. And closer to, uh, pardon me, closer to home, Governor Kathy Hochul says putting an end to gun trafficking is going to require cooperation from law enforcement officials in neighboring states. Under her newly created task force on illegal guns, nine states will come together to try and prevent gun purchased, purchased or stolen in other states from being sold on city streets. She spoke today about the plan
2: find out what is happening. Why are more guns happening? Do people have more money? Is there um, more something going on in those states or people are looking to have the flow of guns come into New York to make a higher profit? Is this related to gang activities? Is it related to a, uh, more domestic cases where people happen to have a gun and they use them, whereas if they didn't have the gun Babel they would not. It might be another altercation, but it wouldn't result in death. So these are the questions we're asking right now. But what we have to focus on is real-time gathering of intelligence. Not wait a couple days, not wait till a lab is finished analyzing, real-time, immediate response. And that is what we hope to attain by deepening the relationships coming together toward this common purpose. And also operational coordination when it comes to gun interdiction. This is not the prime driver of illegal guns in our state, but we also made sure that we we're getting ahead of the whole phenomenon of ghost guns. And that's why I took the step of banning ghost guns here in the state of New York. And also, not just a law enforcement issue, but also a, a justice issue and an issue trying to get under the health effects that this has on communities and societies that are under siege right now it has a dramatic effect on people's sense of security and that to me is a painful aspect where people are feeling nervous and anxious and we in light of what we've come through with this pandemic this is almost too much for people to bear and that's why we're off uh, as of today i'm announcing the head of my new office of gun violence prevention it is embedded in the department of health and this is going to make sure that we're looking all at all the collateral impacts of gun violence but also perhaps the drivers of this, what leads people to this, and what is going on in their in their emotional and psychological worlds of what that could be driving people to these decisions
0: and as Governor Hogel Mayor Eric Adams joined the governor virtually and compared the new task to what law, the new task force to what law enforcement agencies did after 9/11 pooling resources and working together within multiple jurisdictions:
4: the constant availability of weapons. The individual who was responsible for taking the lives of Officer uh, Rivera and Moya had an automatic modified weapon that carried 40 rounds of ammunition and an additional AR-15 assault rifle under his mattress. This is what we are up against. And if we don't become honest, as the governor pointed out, I really want to commend us, her, and everyone must listen to what she stated. We have to analyze every river and dam every river to stop the flow. We need to understand what are we doing legislatively on the state level that are allowing dangerous people to return to our streets.
0: And that's uh, Mayor Adams. But one area where the mayor and the governor may diverge is over bail reform. Mayor Adams has called on the state legislature to revisit legislation, ending cash bail for certain crimes. He wants to give judges more discretion, but so far legislative leaders have refused. Governor Hochul says reinstating bail for low-level offenses has to wait for more data.
2: I'm very data-driven and I'm very interested in the data that comes out, but as the mayor mentioned, we are talking about damming up individual rivers. Today the river we're talking about is the river that leads illegal guns from other states to our cities and in the hands of individuals who are using them. So that is our focus of what we're doing here today. As I've said from the beginning, there's opportunities to have these conversations with the mayor as well as with the legislature uh, as session unfolds on, uh, on any reforms that are recommended.
5: Governor, there are calls for you to to talk about bill reform right now. Uh, Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik just issued a a letter on bail reform and Republicans in Congress have proposed a bill that would reward states that give judges more discretion in determining dangerousness. Uh, Will you address what so many people have called on you to do? Will you address the level of dangerousness and give judges more discretion? Even Eric Adams has
2: called on lawmakers to do this. He has asked for us to have this conversation, and he's a former senator, and he certainly knows the process that's involved in making changes. Changes were made. And I will absolutely stand behind the fundamental promise on why we needed bail reform in the first place. And I will describe the situation that others who are trying to politicize this and the other party don't seem to acknowledge why there was a need for change. You had two individuals accused of identical crimes, offenses, even stealing a backpack. And one person goes to Rikers for three years because they couldn't post bail. Another person whose parents have money or they're living in the suburbs and uh, they can head back after posting bail to their jobs, to school and a different life. That is what bail reform set out to do. And so I stand behind that fundamental premise. And I've also said if reforms are needed based on data that is still being gathered, I'm willing to have those conversations. So I don't feel just because people, for political reasons, like the individuals that you're quoting here today, want me to give an answer. That's not how I operate. I don't cave to pressure. I do what's right based on all the facts that come before me.
0: Governor Kathy Hochul. But despite Hochul's promises, Gays Against Guns organizer J.W. Walker says he's worried of a return to the bad old days of Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg that sent cops into the streets to stop and frisk and arrest thousands of mostly black and Latino New Yorkers.
5: I definitely have concerns about it. Um, However, it depends on how the mayor targets this anti-gun task force or anti-gun unit. Already, by calling it the anti-gun unit, I don't know whether that is window dressing or whether this really is a shift from what it was called before, which is the anti-crime unit, which led to stop and frisks in some neighborhoods of more young black men than there were actually young black men living in that neighborhood. The fact that they're coordinating things together between the city and the state, I think that's a positive. I am concerned that this will devolve into the same situation that we had under Bloomberg and under Giuliani with the targeted harassment of black and brown youths in poor and working class black and brown neighborhoods.
0: How is it possible to build a little wall to keep the guns out of New York when you have 30 states that pretty much legalize open carry?
5: it really is like sisyphus rolling the, rolling the boulder up the hill um and and that's why you know groups like gays against guns and so many other gun violence prevention groups try to put as much focus as possible on federal legislation um to create um systems like universal background checks at all points of sale for guns including gun shows including the internet etc because we know that right now with this patchwork it's really hard for states and municipalities to to create any systems that are truly effective. But honestly, for me right now, my biggest concern, as you said, you've gone all around the country and you've seen how a wash how awash this country is with guns, how easy it is to obtain guns legally in all these places. And right now there is a Supreme Court case, um, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v Bruin. Um and all um all uh, the handwriting on the wall, as it were, seems to be leaning toward the idea that the uh, the, the you know the, the six conservative justices on the Supreme Court are going to completely eviscerate New York State's existing gun laws, which have been on the books for 106 years. So you know they're they're very rightly uh, the mayor and the and the governor focused on the iron pipeline. What I'm worried about is what happens if the Supreme Court. Get rid of these laws, and then there will be gun stores and gun shops and gun shows popping up all over the state. And, um, you know, our state will become just as awash in guns as Alabama or North Carolina or South Carolina or any of these other states that have lax gun laws. And I'm not hearing anything from the mayor or the governor about this case. The only person that has spoken out about it that I've seen really has been the attorney general, Fish James.
0: Let's say what you said happens. How do you approach a situation if this legal method is just taken off the table guns are legal end of story
5: i honestly don't think there is a right way to handle something so pervasively wrong the right to own a gun isn't trying the constitution well that hasn't been the reality for, for the vast amount of american history the heller decision was just about 13 14 years ago and that's when a conservative supreme court changed the way that we looked at the Second Amendment in the legal system. Prior to that, going back to the Old West, you used to have to check your gun with the sheriff when you entered a town. The same
0: Supreme Court could also legalize yeah. guns and throw everybody out of their apartments at the same time. Exactly.
5: Exactly. And that's, that's modern quote-unquote conservatism. I don't even consider conservatism. I consider it adivism. They're not trying to conserve anything. They're trying to, like, throw away everything in the present return to some distant past when there were no protections for any American citizens
0: what's going on in New York is being cosmetic that they just want to get business going and they want to make it seem like they're doing something
5: we already have a status quo where the period of time that future officers have to spend getting educated at the police academy is like what like a fifth the amount of time that someone has to spend to get a cosmetology degree they're already not training officers fully. Already. Right. The police academy is nothing. It's like six months or something like that. So we've already got that situation. Yeah. And then you're just going to pump more uh, more people who are unprepared into this job. And it's a recipe for disaster.
0: Gays Against Guns organizer J.W. Walker. Radio gag is heard here on WBAI every Tuesday from two thirty to three p.m. hosted by a revolving gaggle of hosts from Gays Against Guns. Joining Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams is the new guy on the block, Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin. He was born in the same hospital the injured officers were rushed to on Friday.
6: The police officers acted with the utmost integrity and respect. Uh, They did everything that you would want them to do in a situation like that. And so it's very unfortunate that a gun was, a legal gun, was present uh, that helped to end their lives. I also think about the eleventh month old baby in the Bronx. Uh, her parents uh, were at a grocery store, her mother was sitting in the front, and she was sitting in her car seat. And two individuals were, were out, and one shot the baby in the face, she celebrated her first year on this earth in a hospital. That is not the kind of life we want for any of our children. p.m. That could have been any one of us with a young child. And so it is so essential that the work we're doing here today acknowledges that we can't only focus on what happens at the moment in that situation. Yes, we must hold the individuals accountable who committed those those acts, but we must also hold the supply chain accountable where the legal guns got to that place. Because if we do that... That will help us to end this this scourge.
0: Lieutenant Governor Brian Benchman. Overall, crime rates in the city are significantly lower than they were in the 1980s and 1990s, but the perception of an increased level of crime and violence has ramifications for the city and its residents already dealing with pandemic life. This threat to one's safety or perception can become even more pronounced among the city's marginalized communities, many of whom are vulnerable to these type of crimes. Meanwhile, the funeral for NYPD officer Wilbert Mora, who died days after he was critically injured in the Harlem shooting, will be held next week, according to the Police Benevolent Association. Mora's funeral is set to take place at St. Patrick's Cathedral at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, February 2nd, according to the union, which represents thousands of active and retired NYPD officers. A viewing service will be held at the cathedral from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Tuesday, February 1st. Mora, 27, was critically hurt, and his fellow officer, 22 year old Jason Rivera, was killed killed when forty seven year old LeSean McNeil opened fire as Mora Rivera and a third officer were responding to a family dispute at an apartment building on West hundred and thirty fifth Street in Harlem on Friday night. Today, Mora's remains were transferred from Bellevue Hospital to Riverdale funeral home in Inwood. In his own tweet, Mayor Eric Adams called Mora a hero. He said he served he served his city, protected his community, and gave his life for our safety. To his family, loved ones, and brothers and sisters in the NYPD, your city is standing with you today and always. Rivera's Wake and Funeral are also set to take place at St. Patrick's on Thursday afternoon and Friday morning, respectively. And that's some of the news for Wednesday, January 26, 2021, uh, pardon me, 2022. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul Durianzo. Thanks for listening.